And our reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes, and that's found on page 670 in the Church Bibles, and we're reading chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Or follow it on the screen. (laughs) The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye has never enough of seeing, nor the ear its ear fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Thanks for that cheery reading. That was great. (laughs) Well, we're starting a new series in Ecclesiastes. Uh, it, is, it is going to be a bit depressing at times, um, but we're going to point to Jesus uh, because we believe this is God's word and it speaks to us about Jesus and the gospel. Now, one of the most uh, haunting things that Freddie Mercury sung was the song, Show Must Go On. Do you remember that song? Yeah, as he was, he was dying of AIDS at the time, actually, and one of the lines he sang goes like this, whatever happens, I'll leave it all to chance. Another heartache, another failed romance, on and on. Does anybody know what we're living for? Show must go on. Well, Freddie Mercury sings for many when he sings those lines because as human beings, we are meaning-driven creatures, You know, other animals don't investigate what is the meaning of life. They don't write poems about it. They don't write philosophy books. But as human beings, we we have got eternity in our hearts, and yet we lack the wisdom to live well. We lack perspective, and we struggle to live in the now. And without God's word dwelling richly in us, we really are in the fog. But here is... God's Word, and as part of God's Word, there is a genre called wisdom literature. The three books in the Bible of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job make up this genre. They're difficult to teach on, but these books all teach us what it means to fear the Lord in this life and make wise choices and have a wise perspective Would you like to be wise? Well, come on Sunday mornings and listen to the teaching of this book. 
One thing it won't do is give you cheesy formulas that you sometimes get in unthought through Christianity. By way of introduction, let me introduce you to a really good video that summarizes this book by The Bible Project. But then we come to Ecclesiastes, who's more like this sharp, middle-aged critic. And he says, You think using wisdom will bring you success. You'd better think again, because life here under the sun is meaningless. And that's a phrase he uses a lot in this book. But to understand this book, we have to realize first that we're hearing two voices. So first there's the teacher, and we've been calling him the critic. He's the main voice in the book. But he is introduced to us by another figure, the author. And he's the one who's collected the critic's words, and then at the end of the book summarizes everything and gets the final word. So why does the author want us to hear from the critic? Well, he wants to turn your view of the world upside down, and he's going to let the critic explore three really disturbing things about the world. And we should warn you, these are pretty intense. Yeah. So the first is the march of time, or as the critic says, Generations come and generations go, but the earth, it's been here long before us and will be long after. No one remembers people from long ago, and all the people yet to come, they too will be forgotten by those who come after them. And so, on a cosmic scale, you and I, we are just a blip. Stars are born, and then they die and form planets which orbit new stars, and those planets, they change over time and eventually burn up. And amidst this cosmic backdrop, my entire existence is like a blink in time. Which leads to the critic's second disturbing observation, that we are all going to die. Humans face the same fate as the animals. Death. All people. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, those who offer sacrifices to God and those who do not. They all share the same destiny. All this activity and madness, then we all join the dead. Man, this book is depressing. And so is the final disturbing thing for the critic, and that is life's random nature. So in Proverbs, life isn't random. There's a clear cause and effect relationship between doing the right thing and being rewarded. But the fact is that life doesn't always work that way. The critic has observed a glitch in the system. He calls it chance, or in his words, the race doesn't always go to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food always come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the educated. Time and chance happen to them all. So his point is that you can't really control anything in life. It's just way too unpredictable. So if I want to master life, then you're setting yourself up for a fall. Now, throughout the book, the critic uses a metaphor to tie together all of these disturbing ideas. Nearly 40 times, he says that everything in life is hevel. It's a Hebrew word that means smoke or vapor. Like smoke, life is beautiful and mysterious. It takes one shape, and before you know it, it takes a new shape. And smoke looks solid, but try and grab it, it'll slip right through your fingers. And when you're stuck in the thick of it, like fog, it's impossible to see clearly. Now our modern translations have lost the metaphor, and they usually translate hevel as meaningless. But if you read closely, the critic isn't saying that life has no meaning, but rather that its meaning is never clear. Like smoke, life is confusing, it's disorienting and uncontrollable. So. What are we supposed to do with all of this? 
Well, surprisingly, the critic first of all acknowledges the perspective of Proverbs. He says it's a really good idea to learn wisdom and to live in the fear of the Lord. Really? I mean, he just said that doesn't guarantee success. But he knows it's the right thing to do. But secondly, and more often, he says that since you can't control your life, you should stop trying. Learn to hold things with an open hand because you really only have control over one thing, and that's your attitude towards the present moment. Stop worrying, he says, and choose to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, or the sun on your face, or a good meal with people that you care about. The simple things in life. Yes, and both the good things and the bad, because both are rich gifts from God. And that's the surprising wisdom of Ecclesiastes. Hmm, it's helpful, isn't it? Let's dive into the text together. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Now, we're not sure if this is literally David's son, Solomon, or somebody else assuming that persona. But whoever he is, he begins with shock tactics. Hevel, hevel, everything is hevel. Translated here, meaningless. Hevel literally means a breath or a breeze or a mist or a vapor, or a puff of smoke. It's used in several other places in the Hebrew Bible. For example, Psalm 39, 5 and 6. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a hevel, but a breath, even those who seem secure. Those verses make the same point as the teacher, that 100 years after you are dead, nobody will give any thought to the fact that you ever lived. Yesterday, we saw the the 40th coronation at Westminster Abbey. Nobody remembers the other 38. And soon, nobody will remember the last two. Hevel. It's all Hevel. Your life is the merest of breaths under the sun. Under the sun means here, now, in this body, in this life, in this fog, in this broken world, which we all know deep down once was wonderful and one day will be again. But there are three things that Ecclesiastes 1 to 11 teaches us about life. Number one, life is short. You blow out a candle or you strike up a match. How long does the smoke last? Not very long at all. Time flies the older you get. When I was young, when we lived in in Wales, there wasn't much to do. And me and my mates would, would climb up a mountain and we, we would stay there till late, and we would watch all the lights go out in the village below. One by one, the lights would go out until it was completely dark. And our lives are like that. One by one, the lights go out. Proverbs 31, verse 30, says this, Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord, she is to be praised. That's the word hevel again, that beauty is hevel. Joan Collins, the actress, says, The problem with beauty 
is it's like being born rich and then becoming poor. We're only beautiful for a, a short time. This book of Ecclesiastes is a meditation on what it means for our lives to be like smoke, like a whisper spoken in the wind, here one minute and then carried away forever the next. The second thing we learn about life is that it is elusive. The word elusive means you can't grab it, you can't control it. This book of Ecclesiastes is a meditation on how life seems to evade our grasp in terms of its lasting significance. Why does it always rain on the days when you don't bring your umbrella? Why does the bread always land on the buttered side when it falls down? Why in the queue do you always try and join the quicker bit of the queue um, but then somehow you, you're joining the slower bit. Why is it that when you feel low, you can't put a finger on why? Why does the dictator live to an old age in comfort while some of my friends and family I know have died in the prime of life? Why is it that we can pour our life into something and it might succeed or it might fail? Why is life like building sandcastles on the beach? Psalm 103, 15 to 16. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. We pretend that we're in control. We imagine that we can live forever. We imagine that we can make a difference in this world and accomplish things of lasting significance. That's why we get up every day. That's why we go to work. And it's also why we have midlife crises. We need to do something different. We need to get out of this humdrum. It's why middle-aged people have affairs. The question that the teacher asks in verse 3 is, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun. And verses 4 to 11 are intended as the answer. Question, verse 3, at the end of my life, what will the surplus be? What will the gain be? And the teacher in answer sketches out humankind's place on the entire canvas of human history just to show why and how there's nothing to be gained. I leave only one thing behind when I die, and that's the earth. Verse 4, generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. Nothing changes the fact that we labor and toil and then we die, and then the earth just stays there. Everything's just smoke. Everything under the sun is elusive. You can't grab it. You can't control it. And then the third thing we, we understand about life from this chapter is that life is repetitive. Verses 4 to 11, the poetry in these verses makes the point that life is repetitive. Life is repetitive. Life is repetitive. Everything either goes round and round or comes and goes and then comes again. Verse 5, the sun rises, then it sets. The wind gusts to the south, then it turns to the north, and then it comes and goes again. The water does the same thing. 
And these three elements are contrasted with our speaking, seeing, and hearing. Everything under the sun is cyclical rather than linear. The sun chases its tail. The wind goes to the south and then comes back again round to the north. The streams flow into the sea and then the water evaporates and the sea is never full and then it falls as water and we have the water cycle. And people are like the insatiable sea. The things of this world pour into human beings through their eyes and through their ears and through their mouth, but they never reach a point of complete satisfaction. C.S. Lewis, the great British author, wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters in which he imagines demons talking to each other. And C.S. Lewis imagines a demon enticing a human to have a horror about the same old thing again and again and again. He writes this, the horror of the same old thing is one of the most valuable possessions we have. This is a demon speaking. An endless source of heresies in religion, folly in counsel, infidelity in marriage, and inconstancy in friendship. The devil tempts us to have a horror at life being so repetitive and going round and round. Some people are plodders, and they can deal better with the repetition than others, or with the same old thing than others. Verse 9 says, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. In other words, humans never finally think, this is it, I'm full, I've achieved it. Here is the thing to break the repetitive cycle. No, in the words of the Rolling Stones, I can't get no satisfaction. Though I try and I try and I try and I try, can't get no satisfaction. Human beings long to come across something that will break this repetitive cycle. That's why people have love affairs. That's why people have midlife crises. That's why people love danger sports. But when you think that at last you've made a decisive change in your circumstance, you'll soon want to change something else. Wisdom is just realizing this. In the words of Freddie Mercury, I want to break free. God knows I want to break free. But part of learning to live wisely is accepting some of the repetition. Part of living life is embracing repetition and then receiving every good gift. As that, a gift, a good night's sleep, a great cup of coffee, a pint of beer with mates, a walk on the beach, a cycle in the forest, a swim in the sea. What a gift. That doesn't mean we have to be boring. It doesn't mean that we're never innovative. But it does mean that we can't expect to ever be completely satisfied here under the sun with the pursuits under the sun. Another perspective is needed. Let's apply this. Application number one, to live well, we need to prepare to die. Each of us live under the sun, and this side of eternity, our life 
is like a breath. We imagine this not true. This is not true. We pretend this is not true. But we are not in control. We are not God. We are not immortal. We need to stop our imaginary games that we will never die. We need to be prepared to die and face judgment. In 1 Corinthians uh, 1, verse 24, Paul describes Jesus as the power of God and the wisdom of God. And this leads me to the second application, that we must grasp the source of true wisdom. In our pursuits under the sun, we can't grasp life, but we can grasp Jesus. We long for an anchor as human beings, and God says, here he is. This Jesus has entered into our hevel, and we can have an anchor for our souls in knowing him. Wisdom is a characteristic of a person who's rightly related to the creator. I'm skipping ahead to chapter 12 there. I'll leave Steve to do that uh, in about eight weeks' time. But you know when you go to watch a play, you want to know who wrote the play. You want to know who the hero is, and you want to know who the villain is, and you want to have some idea of the plot line. But so many people live life in this earth, and they don't know who the hero is, they don't know who the villain is, they don't know who wrote the play, and all there is is this secular repetition. And they lack wisdom, like Freddie Mercury said, another heartache, another failed romance. Does anybody know what we're living for? But he or she who is restored to a friendship with God is, in one important sense, a wise person. Even though there's still a lot of learning to do about how to live life well and how to make good choices, knowing the Lord removes the fog. And one day, God will completely remove the fog, and we will know as we are also known. Third application is we need to grasp the source of eternal life. Life under the sun is elusive, and we can't grasp it. But this life under the sun is not all there is. I once went to a French church, and they were singing a song, Il y a un autre monde là-haut, là-haut. There's another world above. And in Jesus' ministry, we saw glimpses of what he called the kingdom. First recorded words of Jesus in the Bible are, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. What did he mean? Well, Jesus comes from a place where there is no death, no suffering, no injustice, no racism, no hierarchy. The world that we all want, the, the world that we know that somehow once was here but has now been broken and covered in fog like dry ice covers a disco hall. But when we are Christians, we do have a foretaste of that world to come, of life beyond the sun. Deep down, we know that world is there. That's why we have this strong concept of justice and this pursuit of human beings to find meaning in life. But to experience life in this world, to experience wisdom in this world, we need to know the Son of God. John writes in his letter, 1 John 5, 12, whoever has the Son has life, but whoever does not have God's Son 
does not have life in that full sense. The word most mentioned in in John's gospel is life, Zoe. Jesus came that we might have life and have it in all its fullness. And we can have this life because he entered the heaven. He took the heaven into himself on the cross so that he can clear the fog of heaven for us. The fog of heaven is here because of our rebellion against God. But there is a life that will one day clear the fog and conquer the grave. There is life that will one day transform our whole person, body, mind, spirit, and the universe around us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the goal of every person's search for meaning and order and justice. And it is Jesus that transforms the words of this ancient Hebrew wise man into an urgent proclamation that we need to grasp him and we need to receive this eternal life.